Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Avenir Show. Today is Thursday, January 19th, 2023. Glad to have you on with us. This is, of course, your host, Mike Avenir. I am alongside Pop DiBiase, and we're going to give you an action-packed hour filled with the latest from the sports world, ranging from the Australian Open to the wildcard weekend comebacks and uh, letdowns on through divisional weekend nfl playoff predictions so let's get right at it pop how are you i'm great brother how are you i'm doing really well let's talk about the uh wild card weekend and uh and let's just start with the uh division rivalry slash matchup between the 49ers and the seahawks the seahawks really had no chance to begin with did they they really didn't they truly didn't. But if you if you really look at everything in every sense of the word, they were probably the livest dog of the weekend simply because who's your daddy situation with Shanahan and uh, Pete Carroll. But this time around, Shanahan was able to get a uh, was able to uh, get that win. It's that simple. You know what I mean? And I think that the first half kind of showed that the 49ers need to understand that they could lose this game. And then they got a little bit of help from the Zebras as well, too, in the second half. But the Seahawks made a lot of mistakes as well, too. So if the Seahawks could have fixed those mistakes or didn't make those mistakes, it could have been a closer game. But, you know, they went on a nice little run. And I think the defense said to themselves, all right, let's go ahead and step this thing up because this quarterback is only going to be able to take us so far. We can't be putting this pressure on him like he's a Mahomes or he's a Joe Burrow or he's a Josh Allen. We have to we have to take care of him. As I said, be, as we talked about it before, it's a walk-with-me defense. And when they see things are going a little bit to the left, they have to jump in and they have to go ahead and protect their little brother. That's all what happened. Jags and Chargers, obviously the most epic comeback NFL history that we've seen you and I talked in great length on your show about Staley and the job that the Chargers had done. I made the point that when you're up 27 points, you know, three to four TD range, you have to be able to run the ball effectively while you're keeping on the gas pedal. And I was citing to you some of the stats, and they were pretty shocking to me when I saw them after the game. You know, Eckler having, what, 34 yards or something like that. I mean, when you're up by that much, you got to feed the ball to your playmakers, especially if they can help you take down the clock. Staley keeps his job, however, and uh, I don't know if we're going to see much different from him. His in-game management, obviously, is not very good. The Chargers have been meddling around that mediocre level, uh, just kind of like, eight and eight type team for a long, long time. Now, do you th- see anything changing? Because, you know, in my mind, pop, they went out and got all the defensive guys that they wanted with the Khalil Mack and the draft pick Bosa, you know, they've got 
quarterback that they want. They drafted well with that. They got good receivers. Granted, it was an injury-plagued season for them, and they have Austin Eckler, who, by the way, has never been a 1,000-yard rusher. What do you make of the state of the Chargers? Um, I just think that the Chargers, man, I wouldn't say that it was the most epic comeback, but it was. It's up there. It's in the top three. And, you know, because I, I, I don't think anybody can ever live down 38 to 10 in 35 to 3. You know what I mean? So, uh, but 27 to zip is like literally you're dominating the team and you're literally like you should be able to wrap this thing up regardless of anything. I just think the Chargers are just being the Chargers, man. This team has been having, this team for the last decade has had just a very bad just run of being middling. And I think that leaving San Diego is really killing their brand as well, too, because we all used to love the, 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 the take it easy, chill by the poolside, chill by the uh, waves, San Diego Chargers. That's what it was always, you know, hey, if we ain't got the Raider game coming on today, we got the Chargers coming on today down in San Diego. It looks beautiful. Look at all those beautiful women in the stands, you know, so. We don't have that anymore, you know, because that's what I used to say about the Chargers. I said the Chargers got the hottest female fans in the league. You know what I mean? So, you know, you ain't got you don't have the fun anymore for the Chargers, in my opinion. And I think that the Chargers, as I always say about them every single season that they've been in Los Angeles, they're a team with no home. And when you're a team with no home, you really don't have an identity. And the Chargers identity is kind of etched in them being a. uh, above average team because the quarterback that they have in this situation and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and you just talked about Eckler who's a multi-purpose back as well too and then you add in the defensive situation with Derwin James, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. You got great great, you just got stars left and right with this team but it's not a star type situation. You know what I mean? If they were in San Diego, they would probably be getting a lot more you know, uh, they would have a lot more support. I just feel like they're in a position now where they have to get this thing right. And I, like I said on my show yesterday, I thought you said that you want to see Staley get fired. I kind of kind of backed off of that and said that they should have fired. They possibly could have fired him, but firing the offensive coordinator, you know, that was like really stupid. I felt like you got to fire the defensive coordinator too, because both of them uh, did, did horrible. And I think that it just really comes down to like Staley being a better, a better politician with the Spanos uh, family, just like Nora Turner was to where they, they still kind of trust you. But I still think that Anthony Lynn had better results. And that's what's killing me is that Anthony Lynn had the, had a team that wasn't even as good as the teams Brandon Staley had. If he would have been able to really have Herbert and really have it and have Khalil Mack and Joey, Joey Bosa this year, they could have been a 12-win team with uh, Lynn as the coach because he was building something here. And that's the biggest problem with the Chargers is that now they're starting to realize that we're a team that really does have to give a coach a five-year run at being our coach before we really let him go. And now they're literally dealing with the same – they've been dealing with the same situation, same team in their last three coaching uh, regiments, you know. And I just truly think that they've wasted so many good coaches. There hasn't been not one bad coach with this team. 
you know, over since they, they went 14 and two since they since they turned the corner, because we do have to remember the Chargers at one point were one and 15. And then they were able to get into the draft and they were able to make that trade with Atlanta. They got LT and uh, Breeze. Their whole world changed. And I'm just looking at it from that 20 year stretch in time, Mike. And this team is could be considered one of the more consistent teams in the NFL. When have they really had a bad season in 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 that in that accord? And the saddest part about the Chargers is, is that you know that this team is capable of winning uh, winning a championship if they're led by the right person, if they're led by the right man up top. And that doesn't mean your head coach, your general manager. That means the owner. And I think that's what it all comes down to. I don't think the Chargers will be much of anything until they decide to move on from whoever, uh, the, from when they decide to move on from the Spanos family. I know that it's a uh, it's a good story. It's a you told me the story the other day. It's a good old uh, family uh, story. Dad came up big with some with with a with a regular business and became the staple of San Diego and all that good stuff. And then you have spoiled children running the team and they just running the team to not really win championships. They're running the team so they can brag to their friends that they have an NFL team and that they can, that they, the stadium belongs to me and all that good stuff. But they're not into it like a Jerry Jones. They're not into it like Al Davis. And so you should stop expecting these teams to try to really chase Super Bowls because that's not what they're in the business for. They're in to make money and to, to brag to their friends. And when they have to come downstairs and fire a coach, then that really kind of pisses them off because they got better things to do. And they're only doing this because they keep having season ticket holders get, complaining about it. So, I truly do feel like the San Diego Charger fans, L.A. Charger fans, didn't get their way this time. They called for all these coaches' heads at the end of the year, except for one. That's uh, Marty Schottenheimer. Everybody else, every single underachieving year, they call for the coach to be fired. And it's getting tired and old. And that's why their coach didn't get fired, because we don't need to keep running to this angle because this is now we have to set up a whole brand-new uh, staff, and we don't feel like doing that. We want to just roll with what we got. And they're already getting a lot of TV time, as is with the little reality situation. They do film a lot of stuff that goes on in the Chargers locker room. And I think that they like the way that they, the players are attached somewhat to Staley. But they were attached to uh, Coach Lynn the same way as well, too. So I would say this. They're giving him one more chance to prove that he can get them somewhere past just a, a first round in the playoffs and, or can he get us a division title which is not that hard to get it's not a, you know what I mean because you can't always think the Chiefs are going to come out and win 11 to 12 games every season Patrick Mahomes is just a human being like if he gets hurt if he gets hurt we all know the Chiefs are done so you know pretty much that's something that you're factoring in as well, too, that you still got a possibility to win the division next year as well. But the Chargers just need a lot. Uh, they need a lot of leadership. And I, I just don't think they have it right now, Mike. Well, what, what they really need is an identity. I don't see an identity with the Los Angeles Chargers. Are they a defensive team? Are they a passing right. team? Are they a rushing team? You know, what, what are they trying to establish? It seems to me like they got a hodgepodge of a game plan every single week. You know, I don't really know or understand what they're trying to do. 
And I think when you do that, that's when you get stuck in mediocrity. Anyways, keep it move, keeping it moving. Let's move over to another division matchup: Miami and Buffalo in the wild card round. You know, look, I watched that game pretty uh, intently, intensely, and very focused. And I'll tell you this much: Dolphins played terrible. I know it was thirty-four thirty-one. They were very fortunate to be in that ball game. They just made a few key plays, key INTs and stuff like that. But they weren't moving the ball on offense. For a team that scored 31 points, it was a very lackluster performance. Now, if if you're a Dolphin fan, you're looking at it, well, we had the number three quarterback. If Tua was in, there would be a different game. Yeah, it would have had a completely different flow to it. Would have been a different game plan entirely if Tua was involved, probably even if Bridge was involved. But they set up a very conservative game plan, and score wise, looked like they hung in there. But in term, and they gave a A for effort. They just couldn't get anything going on offense. And like I said, if it wasn't for some good field position luck, they wouldn't have uh, even, you know, been this close. Uh, not even close to this 34-31 final. Uh, Pop, did you like what you saw out of Buffalo enough to make you feel it's a Super Bowl contender? You know what? And you know, I already, pay, I already got the bet, the future bet on Buffalo to win the Super Bowl, but I'm a, I'm looking at my ticket and everything now. I'm like, this might be a little bit harder than than I true than we truly think. You know what I mean? I think this is going to be a little bit more difficult than I thought back in August. You know what I mean? I think that this team is really, really good, but their defense is going to be the Achilles heel. It's really tough to trust the Bills because they don't have Von Miller anymore. Von Miller is out for the year. Von Miller is literally showing that he was the one-man band that had that defense playing at a super level. They were a top ten defense when Vaughn was there. Since Vaughn's been gone, they've been a team. They everybody they've been scorched to earth, as I like to say. And I think that with the issue happening to Hamlin as well too, that kind of plays a part into it because he was a significant player on their defense, even though he didn't really get much national attention until that situation occurred. But he was a very important player to that secondary because he was taking over for a guy in Jordan Poirier who's out for the season as well too. So, you know, the Bills really had to make the adjustments this week because Bengals are not the same team. The Bengals are the hottest team in the AFC. I don't care what anybody says, you know, and the Bengals are the AFC champions as well too. So you have to knock them off to, to, to get to where you need to get to. Yeah, I know the Chiefs have the bye and they got all the they got all the glory and everybody's excited about that. But the Chiefs can't beat the Bengals. And so the Bengals have are confident enough in themselves to say, we can beat both of these guys. So they're just gonna be first. So the Bills have to come in here with the mentality that, you know, this that they're not the favorite, that they're the underdog here. And if they come in there with that motivated with that motivation right there, they can be a much better team come Sunday. But if they go in there with that idea that they did in the Dolphins game that since they're at home and, you know, they had the whole country loving them after what happened to their to their uh, guy, 
you know, and that they're not going to let us lose because we're America's team. Uh, that does that doesn't fly. You're going to have to show up and play in this game Sunday. I know a lot. They got a lot of sentimental uh, fans now, but they can't even buy into any of that because that's how these teams get beat, Mike. Yeah, is no when doubt about it. We'll, we'll talk about that matchup in, in a little bit here. Um, Want to quickly get in something before the break. We got about a minute and a half or so, which is the Giants seem to have controlled that game against the Vikings. I didn't feel at any point that the Vikings really even had a shot. That's a very, very lackluster performance at home from the Vikings, the team that's supposed to have one of the best offenses in the league. Defensively, they couldn't stop the Giants. Offensively, they couldn't get into any kind of rhythm at all. What's this offseason, do you think, going to look like for the Vikings? A little bit of the same as last offseason. You know what I mean? Uh, I think Minnesota was a team that, was that everybody had a good idea that was going to be the the high seed that gets beat. You know what I mean? Because they just didn't play well the last month of the season, but they had already did so well the first 10 weeks of the year. They didn't have to worry about being a great team at the end of the year. And they kind of coasted into the playoffs and they beat a Giants team that should have, that really felt like they should have won that game. Um, a few weeks back. So I truly do feel like Minnesota, they may think about bringing in a new quarterback, but more than likely they will probably draft a quarterback to develop that quarterback and give Cousins another year up under center for them. Yeah, Cousins keeps on uh, cementing that legacy of not being able to win during primetime games. Kind of sucks. Maybe it's coincidental. I don't know. Seems like there might be something to that. Let's take a quick commercial timeout, Pop. We'll come back. We'll talk about the two other games from last weekend, and then we'll shift our focus to this upcoming divisional round. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Pop, we were just talking about the Minnesota Vikings and where do they go from here. I think same question about the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Because there was something kind of strange going on with their superstar quarterback, Lamar Jackson. We didn't really hear anything from him in the last month of the season. Like, what's going on? Where's your injury at? How about some updates? How about hearing from you at the podium? It was a very, very awkwardly quiet month, last final month of the year from the Ravens camp regarding their quarterback. So I guess and on one hand, you know, to be within a touchdown of one of the best teams in the AFC is maybe a, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, a uh, confidence builder or something to be proud of. But overall, you know, talk about not having an identity. When Lamar Jackson's not in there, I don't even know what they're running. What say you, Pop? Um, I just think it's a oh. Oh, fa- fashion uh, standoff, as we like to say. Mike, you're an agent. You know what's going on. You know, they had a month left to go into season. He yurts his PCL. They they played it down as if it wasn't that bad of an injury. And then what happened was that it wasn't it – was, it was a little bit more serious than they thought it would be. And it wasn't a one- to three-week injury. It was it's more like a four- to six-week injury. You know, and it's a, probably an injury that needed a slight surgery to it as well, too. So instead of ruining the momentum that you have or the leverage, as you guys like to say that you have, you just didn't play. And then you know that these guys got these incentives and these uh, bonuses and all these things that they need to hit. I kind of think that they held them out so they wouldn't have to pay him that. So. I think that they are in the middle of a nasty divorce, to be honest with you. And with as many suitors for quarterbacks this summer coming up, I think that um, he'll be one of the guys in, in that in, in that group. I think that a lot of teams recognize that the quarterback position is very limited in the NFL at this point. And Derek Carr being on the market has became like the biggest the biggest acquisition for any team that's looking for a quarterback that doesn't want to hand it over to a 21-year-old. And I think that the Ravens and the Raiders both have owners that are playing a little bit of a, a game right now because they want to see how their team will be with a new play caller. You know what I mean? With a new uh with a new leader. And I think if they really wanted to do anything with Lamar, if Lamar really wanted to stick around in Baltimore, they would have been able to get that deal done. But once once he said, I want fully guaranteed, and they had already offered $230 million, and, but the, we're going to guarantee 150 then 
you could kind of tell that, okay, this guy, does he really, really want to be here or does he really want to just challenge the Ravens on how they, how they want to go ahead and keep him around? And I think that if I'm the Ravens general manager, I love Lamar. Lamar won MVP for us. He did all these great things for us. But let me go ahead and see if I can go ahead and trick one of these top 10 teams into sending over here to send over their top uh, pick, and I'll send them Lamar. Do they feel like they can be somebody next season? And that's the question that you have. But I will keep it real with you. If I'm Ziggler, I know this is crazy, but I know it probably won't work anyway. But still, just to throw it out there, if I'm the Raiders, I'm going after them. I'm giving up the seven pick for them. You know, and or just trade Carr straight up. It's that simple because I know the Ravens will love to take Derek Carr. Because then they can set up a a, a, a real pro-style offense and they don't have to be so much on the RPO. And I think what would happen with Lamar would, L- Lamar would become like how Cam Newton became in that um, Patriot system. So, you know, it would be kind of a win-win situation for both teams. But if you're Baltimore, you don't want their quarterback, you want their pick. Because you want to get a quarterback that you can develop on your own, but I don't think the Ravens. Yeah, but unfortunately, really, I don't think there is one in this right, of draft. Right, but I don't think the Ravens are really in position to, you know, um, to really sit up in here and try to develop a quarterback. They have a quarterback, so what they need to do is figure out how much they need to pay him, so then they can go ahead and get this deal done. They're a perfect match. I don't know why the Ravens are acting so silly about him at this point. Another team that might be needing a quarterback, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their season is over at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys, who came in and finally won a road playoff game, been long overdue. They look pretty impressive in doing so as well. Tampa looked pretty much the way they looked all year, which is anemic offense and uh, a defense that can only hold off opponents for so long without any help from the offense. They really had no shot. Tom Brady is going to be the offseason story. Are you kind of tired of it? Kind of like the whole Brett Favre, is he coming back? Is he not? Roger Clemens, is he coming back? Is he not? You know, that type of situation. Or because he's still playing at a pretty high level, I guess, uh, are you okay with kind of the the wishy-washiness? I just think that we have a lot of news outlets, sports news outlets that like to just kill, just just that just like to eat up time. Tom Brady is no longer a top story in the NFL. I do not care what anybody says. Um, also, nobody cares about what the Bucks are doing moving forward. Tom Brady's not coming back. They just got rid of Byron Leftwich. They're not a they're not a relevant team if they don't have somebody that people can gravitate to. We all know this. They're the Tampa Bay Yucks for a reason. So whatever they do next year is not going to, is probably not going to really get anybody's blood boiling or anybody really excited. But one thing they can do is they can go ahead. If they, if they're not keeping Brady, Brady's gone. You know what I mean? Brady's leaving. He's out of there, but they could go ahead and go get Derek Carr. Cause Derek Carr had his greatest game ever passing-wise against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think that the Buccaneers fans remember that, and I and I know that the organization remembers that because the game was in Tampa. I know you remember this game too, Mike. He threw for 5-0-7 that day, 
and they won the game on a walk-off touchdown uh, that day as well, too. So they can play that part up, and they do have a type of defense to where Derek Carr can be more accountable, where you, you wouldn't be able to blame the defense for the shortcomings of the team. You know what I mean? But I don't think that the Buccaneers are going to be able to keep anybody, to be honest with you. I think that they're ready to blow this whole thing up and give Bowles a chance to really just work with his own group. You know what I mean? I think that Brady soured everything over there with his constant non-accountability. I know that sounds crazy, but Brady was a big reason for a lot of their losses this season. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, he had some good games stat-wise, but Brady was really – really bad when he needed to be really, really good. And that was detrimental to the defense, and that just ruined a lot of people's jobs. You know what I mean? You see Leftwich get fired, and he had this top-scoring offense in the league for the last three years, and he gets fired because Tom Brady had a bad season. No, you fire the 46-year-old. You don't fire the offensive coordinator. Speaking of uh, good quarterback seasons, let's move on to the divisional round. Which oh, we don't get to talk about the Cowboys. Just kidding. <laughs> well, we're going to get to the Cowboys because we're going to be talking about the divisional round here. And I was just going to ask you, which of the four matchups, you know, Jags, Chiefs, Giants, uh, Eagles, Cincy, Buffalo, and Dallas, San Francisco, which of those four matchups have the best two quarterbacks going? Which one is a quarterback showdown in your opinion? Definitely not going to be the Giants and the Eagles. No, nope. we know that that's 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 out. Um, I know a lot of people will run to Burrow and and Allen, but I think that that's a little bit more of an overhype too, in my opinion. I think that they will really get down to the get down. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a surprise a few folks here. I think the best quarterback matchup comes down to the hot shot from Kansas City. And the and Mr. G and Jesus himself, Trevor Lawrence, you know, what I mean, uh, Clemson Jesus. So those two have a game that can be a matchup here for the next decade, if possible, possible. You know what I mean? And I think that this is a good uh, this is a good matchup for both of them, because eventually we'll probably have a Trevor Lawrence. Patrick Mahomes AFC championship game somewhere down the road. But this is a good way to see different ends of the spectrum. You got a guy who had to go through the uh, ringer a little bit here in Jacksonville. And now he's became, now he's realizing his potential. Then you have another guy who's seen as the best quarterback in the NFL has never had to deal with anything uh, that has given him any type of real, you know, adversity in this league because he's been able to get to a conference championship game literally every year he's been in the league. So this is a real good, it's not young versus old because Mahomes isn't that old, but it goes to show you that we got this new era of quarterbacks and this is going to be the guy down here in Florida. And this is going to be the guy down. This is going to be the guy right here in um, Kansas city. And these two are going to be seeing each other a lot. So, I think it will be a, a good matchup between those two. Let's talk about that game then, because, you know, I think that everybody, you know, is is obviously on the Chiefs because of their experience and Patrick Mahomes. Arrowhead's a really tough place to play. You know, do you do you think do you give the Jacksonville Jaguars a legitimate shot to win this ballgame? 
Man, this is, this is the divisional playoff. Anything can happen. Let me give you a great example, Mike. 1996, Jaguars walking to mile high. That team was 13 and three coming into the game. 13 and three, 14 and two. I can't remember, but they were one of the best teams in the NFL that year. The Denver was literally, I think they had won their first nine games of the year. Raiders beat them so the, for their first loss of the season. Um, Natron Means walked up in there and did exactly what he wanted, did anything he wanted to do that day. Mark Brunel, Jimmy Smith, uh, introduced themselves to the nation that day as well, too. And I think that if they can go in there with the same type of confidence those fellas had uh, that day, uh, Kansas City's in trouble. But the way that Kansas City's coached and the way that Kansas City is uh, put together, Kansas City is the best roster, is the best overall team in the AFC. There's a reason why they're the number one seed. And they really don't have a weakness on their side. That's the whole thing. You don't really see a weakness. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They block well. And the one calling card that they had, everybody talks about their offense. I thought their defense was the better side better side this year. So I truly feel like they are – it is David and Goliath's situation, but everybody got the shot in the game. And I think that when you're a team that's won your last seven out of eight and six in a row coming into this game – you're going to be very, very confident. And when you win a game like the way that they won against the Chargers, you can take that momentum into the next game and play an even greater game, in my opinion. So, yeah, they're live. They they can get this win, but it's going to be tough. Okay, so the million-dollar question, Pop. Point spreads eight and a half. Who you taking? Oh, man. My, better, my, my, my wise guy wants to say plus eight and a half, but my my actual you know when i look at the numbers and when i want to be in being realistic chiefs should win a game by 10 or better and and you know eight and a half is is the right number in my opinion now if i just got anything that was lower than six and a half i want to be on the jags all day but when you tell me eight and a half you're telling me that this is going to be a locked in win for the kansas city chiefs even though there's no locks except for on your front door and your back door. But still, this is giving me a good idea of who the winner is, and they'll be winning by more than 10 points or better. I tend to agree with you. I would I will take the Chiefs as well. I don't love this game from a point spread perspective because I think it's going to be one of those that the Chiefs have it in hand, and you just have to worry about that back door cover, right? But I don't think they're from a winning and losing perspective, that game is going to be in jeopardy at all. That's why I don't love the eight and a half because you know how it is, Pop. You can be down, you know, by, by you know, two TDs all game, right? And then with 30 seconds left, score a meaningless touchdown and uh, and it'll negate your your winning ticket, which is kind of difficult to to swallow. But, hey, that's a part of what you have to factor in when you're playing the point spread. I think for me, if you have other winners that you're confident in, maybe even a plus, you know, an underdog that you want to use in a parlay, the money line on the on the Chiefs, it, it's not you don't get any value. But if you think it's a guaranteed winner, maybe you could beef up your parlays a little bit by adding one more team to it. And I think that's a pretty safe bet going with the Kansas City Chiefs to win the game. Um you know, but again, 
if I had to take a side, I would take the eight and a half. That's just a slight lean. Let's go over to the other number one matchup, the top seed matchup, I should say, which is the Giants and the Eagles. We only have about a minute and change before the last commercial break. This is a division matchup, man. Giants and the Eagles know each other really, really well. This is going to be their third time playing each other. I, I, I think that I think the Eagles, as much as I can make a case for the Giants and oh, it's going to be close, and I think there's there's a lot of wise guys that that probably will back the Giants. I don't know why. I just have this gut feeling the Eagles are going to flatten them out. Hmm. Well. Second game in three weeks, Mike, and uh, it's division rival this time, too. And um, if I'm Philadelphia, I need to think about this game that happened, eh, I would say about 14 years ago. Um, I think Jerry's world was kind of new at this time, too. I know Terrell Owens was still on the Cowboys as well. I remember a Giants team walked into Jerry's world and absolutely shocked the world, beat a Cowboys team that was supposed to win the Super Bowl that season or play the Patriots, whatever the idea was that year. And um, Philadelphia needs to be on the lookout for that because the Giants were so pumped up after that win. Those are the teams that you, that you, that you don't want to come see, that you don't want to see coming down the street. You got Daniel Jones stepping into his own right now as well, too. This comes down to a field goal, Mike. I'm taking the uh, Giants definitely on the spread in this spot. Very interesting that you say that. The Giants – historically have outperformed expectation in the playoffs mm -hmm. right so definitely history is in their favor for sure but i'm one of those people that doesn't really like history in football because <laughs> you know the, the those teams had nothing to do with this team you know what i mean so right uh, right uh, eli and plaxico and all those guys did uh it means me you know david tyree all those guys it means nothing about this team at all but as an organization, they seem to really, really step up. Showtime, Broadway, New York, whatever you want to call it, the magic when it comes to the playoffs. I'm going to go with the Eagles, though. I think they're going to level them. I think the Eagles are going to show why they are the top seed in the NFC. Let's take our final commercial timeout, and we'll talk about the two other matchups right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. I want to say one more thing about the Giants and the Eagles matchup. Uh, I think the lines makers know what they're doing. I'm not saying anything revolutionary there. When they put out a line at seven and a half, they're they're looking to entice one of the sides. Which side is it? I think it's, you know what? I get that extra half point. I'm going to take that plus seven and a half. And I think that's going to be the mentality of a lot of people. And it's kind of funny because if the point spread was six and a half, you'd have the opposite thinking, right? Right. But the reality of it, most games don't come down to one point. So are you playing the point spread or are you playing the teams? Which is it? Or are you playing just to play? I think the seven and a half is there to lure you to the wrong side. That's the last thing I'll say about that matchup. That's why I think that the Eagles are going to come in there, blow it out, blow them out, and make that one point, you know, kind of like the enticing point and a moot point and very irrelevant. Hmm. A- another matchup of teams that are maybe more known for their offenses than anything else, Cincinnati and Buffalo. I think a lot of people are probably looking at Buffalo as the the sentimental favorite. Maybe when you're trying to handicap the psychology of the game, hey, they want to win for DeMar Hamlin. But hey, keep in mind something. The team that really suffered the most out of that ugly situation with DeMar, the life and death situation, is Cincinnati. Because they had a chance to be hosting this game. Instead, they get hosed for no fault of their own. It had nothing to do with wins and losses or performance on the field. This game should have been in a neutral site, in my opinion. So they get hosed. They're angry at the NFL. Taylor's mad at the NFL. I think they're going to go into Buffalo and win this game. You made a really good point earlier when you said that, you know, this is the AFC champions. And until they get dethroned, they are the AFC champs. I don't think they get dethroned this week. I think they're going to hang on for another week. And then we're going to see that remarkable rematch that I think a lot of people are excited for in Cincinnati and Kansas City. And uh, I do think Kansas City will get their payback, but I don't want to go too far ahead here. But I, I think this it's good. This is going to be a really fun matchup. Like you said, most people will probably gravitate towards it as the best quarterback matchup. 
very different types of quarterbacks. Drop back passer versus an athletic rushing quarterback. We'll see what wins out. For me, I'll take the drop back passer all day. I'll take the classic quarterback all day. I'll take the team that's got Mixon and a running game all day. I'll take the team that's got the best, maybe the best receiving core outside of Miami Dolphins and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and company. So that's my pick. Cincinnati Bengals, I love the plus five and a half. I'll take that all day long. What about you, Pop? Um, The Bengals will probably be the sexy uh, dog this, this weekend. I don't know why they five and a half either. We know, I know one thing, uh, knowing how betters think, they're going to be, it's going to be a three and a half by the time we get the kickoff. Cause that five and a half is just too, too sexy for uh, somebody who wants to really do something within this, this game. Now, I know this is going to be a really unpopular opinion when I say it, but Mike, I already said it. I said it on your show already. I said it on my show. Said, I said it on my show today. You know what I mean? I feel for the Bengals because the Bengals could have really went to the league office and said, you know, we were up seven to three, right? And we weren't the ones that wanted to end the game. We want to continue. They won't, Mike, they're not going to admit that to, on TV because nobody wants, wants to be Skip Bates. You know what I mean? And Skip didn't even say nothing wrong. But they said what all of us were thinking. Maybe it'd be better if we just got the game going on. But nobody said that out loud. But And I know what you're going to say, Mike, you know, just was not a good moment for that. Da, 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 da. The NFL learned a lesson. They're going to have they're going to have a whole class on how to treat this situation next time out because they're never going to end a game like that again. So I think that I feel for the Bengals, just like you, where they got punished for something that they had no power, no, no control over. And if it was up to them, they're being nice and cool and saying all that good stuff for TV, but they would have wanted to keep the game going. But the Bills were so distraught by the time that they saw their team fallen teammate get worked on that they just literally just couldn't deal with it. You know, and I think if they would have told them they still got to play, they would have they if they would have said, no, we don't we, we don't care then they would have stepped out on the field and lost by 40 points. And we know that. So it would have been a bad night. It would have been a bad night. It would just, it just you just couldn't do anything at that moment. But I truly do feel that the Bengals will come in here very confident, and they're going to give the Bills everything that they got and some more. So I usually don't like taking high money lines, but I will say this. If you like the uh, five and a half on the Bengals, that means that you're taking an insurance bet. You're, you're saying that, okay, I'm going to take the points because if they don't win this game, I at least got a five-point head start on this thing. And this game is going to come down to a final kick. So I think that Bengals going to a three-and-a-half, going to a two, is going to be the is, is gonna wind up being the heavy play in this game. But for people like myself who have some invested interests, interest in the, the Bills, I'm going to have to attack that uh, that money line, that uh, minus 190, that minus 200, that minus 205. And I know it's a little bit more than what it needs to be, but I feel good about it, so I'm going to go ahead and do it and take that that bet. That's the only that's the only bet I see for a Buffalo team that you can take to where you can have some confidence 
in this game. I think that they do win the game, but they win the game by the skin of their teeth. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great uh, moment, and I look forward to it. I I think Sunday is going to be one of the better days that we've had in the playoffs in a long time. 67% of the public is on the Cincinnati Bengals. I think it's exactly because of what you're saying. It's just too juicy of a line. It's very enticing. I always say that the public is usually wrong, but sometimes they get it right. Um, right now, I'm I'm sitting on the uh, Cincinnati Bengals side of the equation. I actually think they straight up win this game. You're talking about the money line. I'll take the big, juicy plus money line, as well as the insurance bet at the five and a half. And hey, man, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But sometimes you have to bet with conviction, you know. And the best way to do that, in my opinion, is let's just say somebody gave you a crystal ball and you could see in there that they won. What would you do? Now, obviously, you'd bet your house on it if you already knew the outcome. Uh, So I'm not suggesting that anybody does that. But do that as it relates to your bankroll. You know, if if you got 200 to play this weekend, make a count. Use those plus money lines. If you like something, what's your line, Pop? If you like it, play it. Man, um, man, if it's what's called, if bet with your heart, not bet with your head, not with your heart. You know what I mean? And um, what you call it? If you and if you like it, if it, if it's if, it, if it, I gotta remember, Mike, because you said it. I know, I, I know what I say. But if it if it looks good, if it looks good, then you gotta jump all over it, man. And I, I, you're just doing exactly what I used to love to do a lot for uh, the public and for clients as well, too. I used to call them two for one. The two for one, baby. The two for one. We're trying to get both of them home, but we but we got insurance here and we got some uh, and we got some plus money here. So if we get them both home, great. But if we don't, if we don't, at least we got our insurance. We're going to win one of these bets tonight and we can't, can't get mad about anything because we're not playing for the um, we're not playing to um, we're playing the the plus we're not playing the minus so we're not giving no money away we only you know we just play, we're playing a wager we're not giving up anything extra to make what we want to make yeah and you know w- when we're talking about the insurance stuff there's also one more angle which is if you're a teaser player you know you could throw on six six and a half seven points and uh and and really go for the insurance play you got to tie it to something else of course perhaps that would be to the over under bring that total down and and make it an easier over to be able to accomplish a lot of different things you could do depends on what kind of better you are you know do you want to go for the bigger home run you know pop puts together plays every single night that are 28 to 1 35 to 1 60 to 1 that's his mentality i'm going to go for the home run not going to connect every time but when i do it's going to be worthwhile you know other people are like you know what i want to bet 100 hopefully win 100 and 150 and be able to parlay that into the following week hey i get that too everybody's got their own style again i will take cincinnati money line all day all night they are the winner of this matchup in my opinion last matchup pop Cowboys, 49ers, historically significant. Two teams that I think people enjoy watching play each other. Each of these teams has kind of a different style. But when it comes down to it, there's both of their strengths are in their defenses. 
both of these teams are rushing teams. How do you see this one playing out? Um, it's going to be epic. It's another, it's another Fox. I would say another Fox uh, uh, main event. Another great Fox uh, situation. You know what I mean? Fox has been very fortunate to be able to play up this rivalry a little bit between the uh, Cowboys and the 49ers where this game has been, you know, a, a, a staple of their network for some time now. It was such a good game last year. They had to fight with uh, – who was it they had to fight over with uh, NBC last year, I think, or CBS, one of them. So I think that this game really does come down to – who wants it more? You would say, you know, the 49ers want it more. No, the Cowboys probably want it more. It's such a 50-50 game, Mike. It's really tough. But I'm going to actually be a little little bold here. I truly do feel the Cowboys are the better team here. And just slightly better. I think San Francisco has better chemistry. That's why they're winning these games and winning these games the way that they win them. I just truly feel that I want to trust Purdy here, but I can't. I want to trust Dak here, but I can't. Who I'm going to trust here is going to be, and I'm going to surprise you because he's still seen as their star of their team. The person that I think if he has a game and it doesn't and, and make sure Dallas wins is Zeke. I know everybody's thinking about Pollard, but Zeke is a guy that can be really important in a big game. Every time I've ever seen Zeke in a big game, college, he was ultimate. Even in early to- early years in the NFL, same thing. I think if you can get Zeke to have one of these Zeke-type games, you're going to win easy. And for this 49ers to win, their defense is literally going to have to say, you know what, we got this. They're not scoring no points on us today. We're going to make sure that Brock Purdy doesn't have to worry about nothing but just coming out here and getting us 14 points today. It we makes just- a lot of sense, man. And because we uh, are, are up against yeah. it here, uh, I, I just want to quickly say, you know, if if you don't have a great wide receiving core, which I don't think Dallas does, Next best thing is you can win if you've got a defense in a rushing game. I think Dallas Cowboys have that. I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys in an upset win on the road against San Francisco for a lot of the reasons that you said. Pop, that's all the time we got this week's show. Thank you so much. As always, thank you to Voice America and Rachel and company. And obviously, there's no show without the listener. So thank you so much for being a part of this week's show. We will be back same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.